John 16, verse 8 and verse 9, Jesus is speaking, and he says, And when he, the Holy Spirit, is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to the Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I want to speak for a very short time on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in salvation. I want to tell you tonight, if you're not a Christian, if you've never been born again of God's Spirit, I want to tell you tonight that without the operation of God, the Holy Spirit in your life, you can never become a Christian. By you simply making a decision and deciding to be saved, that will not necessarily happen. You can only get saved when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, when God is speaking to you. And that's the desire and prayer of the Lord's people, that you would hear God's voice and that you would come to him. And here the Lord Jesus is speaking and he said, when he is come, he's talking about the time when the Holy Spirit would descend from heaven and come down to earth whenever Jesus ascended up on high. And the Bible tells us, he said, when he was come, he would do particular things. There's things that the Holy Spirit will do that are very unique. And my dear friend, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will do things in your life that are very unique. You will end up being interested in the things that God is interested in. You will end up doing the things that God does when the Holy Spirit has control of your life. And the Lord Jesus said when he's come, he will reprove or convict the world of sin. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does when he draws near to a person is he brings to them their sin. He doesn't tell us how good we are. He doesn't uh, try and wrap around us and, and cajole us to God, but rather he simply points out exactly how we stand in God's sight. That is only the work of the Holy Spirit. No preacher can do it. No evangelist can do it. No, no church can do it. No denomination can do it. It is only the Holy Spirit who can do this blessed work. And when he comes, he reveals sin. What is sin? Well, in the Bible, we have the wonderful story in Genesis 3 of man's sin. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve were in the garden together. And whenever Eve was on her own, the serpent came and tempted her. And she took of the forbidden fruit. And she gave it to Adam. And they both fell and they entered into sin. What the devil said to them through the serpent was, If you take of this forbidden fruit, you will be as gods. In other words, what he said was, I know that under God, the God of heaven that you're living under, the one who created you, the one who supplied your life, your home, your husband, your wife, the one who has supplied to you everything. I have nothing to say bad about him. But what I can tell you is, if you would take of this fruit, you would be as God. You would be free from him telling you what to do. You would become like a God. And they were so taken by the temptation that they said, yes, this is a good idea. We will be as gods. 
And ever since, when Adam and Eve sinned, that is the ultimate sin of every man and woman. It is the essence of sin. It is the core of sin. It is the heart of sin. I want my own way. I will do things as I want. Whereas to be a child of God under the authority of the kingdom of God is to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The Bible tells us at that point of rebellion, man became a sinner. And sin is inherited by all. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and so death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Some people don't believe they're sinners. I have a problem for them. Why are you going to die? You can debate it all you like, but the evidence is there. You're going to die, and you only die because of sin. We have the origin of sin. But then the Bible in the early chapters of the book of Genesis gives us the exposure or the, the detail of sin. Because the Bible says, whoso transgresses the law, whoever breaks the law commits sin. God gave ten commandments. And perhaps you're like so many people and you say, well, I'm not so bad. I don't do too much wrong. I mean, I'm not as bad as he is or she is. That's often the mindset of the average person. But my friends, God doesn't look at things like that. It's like a pedophile being in before a judge in a court. The pedophile stands in the dock. And his defense lawyer comes before him and says, Listen, yes, this man has molested children. Yes, this man is guilty of doing those things. But he visits the sick a lot, and he gives a lot to the poor, and all his life he has been contributing to the poor. Do you think the judge would let him off? No. The judge would be put out of the bar if he let him off, because, my friends, sin has to be punished. doesn't matter about your good points. doesn't matter about those nice things you've done. Your sin is sin, and God must punish sin. Some people say, well, I haven't committed murder, Alan. You know, I'm not a serial adulterer. The Bible says in the book of James, uh, chapter 2, it says, whosoever commits sin, or in John, whosoever commits sin becomes the slave of sin. But it says then in, in, in the book of James, let me quote it to you right, it says, Whosoever keepeth the whole law and yet offends in one point, he is guilty of all. Listen to it again. Whosoever keeps the Ten Commandments and yet offends in one point, he's guilty of all. The law said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. You see, friends, sin is exposed by the law. But then we have also this hidden storage unit mentioned of in the Bible. 
You might say, that's a bit peculiar, Alan, talking about a hidden storage unit. Well, there are people live in small homes, but they have huge storage units. It's just you can't see them. Some of them are gigantic, huge things. Everybody's different. But it's a kind of a storage unit you wouldn't want to have. And if you're not a Christian, you have one of these. And you carry it about with you. You can't see it. Your neighbors can't see it. But God can see it. The angels can see it. And demons can see it. Because it says in the word of God, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of wrath. God says that you have a storage unit. And every time you sin, God says the unit gets bigger. And what you're doing is you're storing up, you're making room and capacity to fill up God's wrath on you. The Bible says, he that believeth not is condemned already. People have said to me, Alan, I don't feel condemned. It doesn't matter how you feel. If you're living without God and Christ in your life, you're condemned already, the Bible says. The storage unit is with you. But then, friends, sin has a companion. <laughs> you always find particular words in the Bible and they're linked with others. They become companions. They're always together. You know, it's been said that birds of a feather flock together. That's true. And it's like that with words in the Bible. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says, sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. The Bible says that sin and death, they cannot be pulled apart. You see, friend, if you live in sin unrepentantly, then death will ensue. It's as logical as one, two, three, four. Sin. You know, sometimes the devil presents sin. A man once said, it's like a stick of dynamite. You know, when I was a wee child, used to, on Halloween, you'd wee sparkler and the wee thing, give a couple of sparks out, and you thought that was great. And, you know, it's a bit like that with the world, the worldly and the unsaved man or woman, and they are really going after this world, and they have no thoughts of God. God's not in their opinion at all. They're not even regarding him in any of their life because God's a side issue, because they've got this sparkler, and they're really taken with his sparkler, but in under the sparkle, there's a stick of dynamite. And you can run with the sparkle, but you've got to know there's a stick of dynamite. And you can enjoy sin because there's pleasure in sin for a season. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The dynamite will explode. You will die. And if you die outside of Christ, you will be lost forever in God's hell. 
You will go into a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is never quenched. A place that Jesus said was forever falling, but never at the bottom, a bottomless pit. A place where people are chained in fire and where they're held and tormented for all eternity for the sins that they have committed. You say, well, Alan, I can't believe that. I couldn't believe that a holy God could do that. Well, I want to tell you, my dear friends, God says it. And God means it. And everybody likes to believe there's a heaven, but nobody likes to believe there's a hell. But God judges and he judges righteously. And he has made provision for all men to be saved. And you can be saved tonight and you can be forgiven tonight if you would come to Jesus Christ as a repentant sinner. You see, the Bible says when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. That's his job, to convict of sin. And it's a most wonderful thing when it happens in the lives of people. I have seen it on many occasions when people have been in despair because of sin. When people have come to my home weeping because of their sin, aware that they have broken the law of God and that they're guilty before him. See, my dear friends, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Not only does it say when he has come, he will convict of sin and righteousness and judgment, but it says he will come to judge of righteousness. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ was made sin to be for us, who, who, he was made to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Jesus Christ bore our sin in his own body on the tree, and he died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. I want to say to you tonight, uh, dear friends, that Jesus Christ has borne all the wrath of God. He bore it on the cross. And the Bible tells us that whenever he lived on earth, he was born of the Virgin Mary and came and lived a sinless life and died on that cross. He was dying the just for the unjust. He was dying for sin. And he bore your sin and mine on that cross. And you and I can be forgiven if we come to him just as we are. You know, the Bible tells us of that occasion whenever uh, the Lord Jesus, whenever he was in the tomb. And as he was in the tomb, the Bible tells us that he, he was lying lifeless and the enemy had come, Satan. And he was seeking through the soldiers and the stone and sin and everything he could put on the Savior to keep him in the tomb. But the Bible says that on the third day, he rose again. And Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He defeated the powers of darkness. He defeated Satan. And I want to tell you tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ defeated sin for you. He defeated hell for you, that you can be forgiven and that you can be on your way to heaven. The story is told of a young man way back in the Civil War in America. He had been in this particular event of war, and he was on the southern side, the side that lost. And as he was in that battle, his troops and colleagues had fallen, but he, he got away. And he was captured by the northern troops. And when they'd captured him, they took him and they were going to shoot him. 
And when they were going to shoot him, they lined him up with the others. And a young man was standing watching. He knew this young man who had a wife and a family. And the army was giving the command to shoot this young man and to, to kill him. And this young man came forward and he said to the man, are you going to shoot him? He said, yes, I'm, I'm going to shoot him. Well, he said, he has got a wife and a family. He said, D don't kill that man. He has got a wife and a family. But he said, he has to die because he has committed the crime. He said, if I went in and stood where he is, would you let me stand in there and let him free that he could go to his wife and children? The commander said, yes, I could do that, but, but why would you do that? He said, because I'm not married. I have no family. He said, if I go in, will you let him free? Yes. And so he stepped forward and went to the man and took him out of the queue. And he put him to the side. And he went forward and he, he stood there. And the army gave the command, fire. And they all fell. To this day in Missouri, in the United States, you can go to a cemetery. And on that cemetery, there is a name. Willie Lear. And at the bottom, it says these words. He took my place. The Lord Jesus took your place. He died so that you could live. He rose again so that you could live. And he wants tonight to save you. He wants you to become his child. And he wants you in heaven. Tonight as I close, the Bible says when he has come, he will convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Judgment. I really wish that some people who believe in what's called annihilation, that nothing exists regarding punishment after you die, was true. But it's not true. It's not true. My friend, hell exists. And I can tell you after almost 15 years or 20 years of experience, I have sat in my home with people who were under the control of demonic spirits. And hundreds and hundreds of times I have heard those spirits come up in those people. And they have explained to me in horror how they fear going to the lake of fire.
and how they fear going to God's judgment. And when you talk to them, verses like the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. They rise up and they say, don't say that. Don't say that. Please don't say that. Don't believe it for what I tell you doesn't matter what I say. Just believe it for what this tells you. When he comes, he will convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. My dear friend, you and I are going to meet God someday. We're going to meet God. You're going to meet God with your sin, with the storage unit, or perhaps you could meet him forgiven. Meet him forgiven. I want to tell you in closing tonight that the Lord loves you. I want to tell you that Jesus died for you. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you have done. Jesus loves you. And he wants to save you. Now, as I close now, you say, Alan, I'm in this meeting and I would love to be saved. I'd love to become a Christian, but I really don't know how to do it. I'd love to receive Jesus, but I don't know. You've told me, and I hear it all the time, be saved, be saved, but I have no idea how to be saved. Well, I'm going to tell you in the simplest manner that I can. And I'm going to use a little verse in the book of Revelation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. So tonight, if God is speaking to your heart, if you're not a Christian... But in your heart, you say, I'd love to be a Christian and a real one and a, to be really forgiven and really set free. I want you to listen carefully. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That simply means that Jesus Christ is at your heart. He's at your soul and your spirit and he's knocking. And if he's talking to you, you'll know it. You'll know if he's talking to you. You'll, not need a, you'll know it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice, the voice of God beyond the voice of the preacher. The voice of God is very unique, my friends. It is, it is that inner conviction. It's not a literal voice, but it's a voice in the depth of the soul and in the depth of the spirit that says you need to get right with God. It is that spirit that brings an awareness of your sinfulness and that Christ is a savior and judgment is coming and the truths of eternity become so real that the things of earth lose all sense of propriety. Because you're overwhelmed by the sense of the reality of God and where you stand in his presence. Anybody that's truly saved will all be able to testify to the reality of that experience. I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens 
the door. You've got to open the door. The handle's on the inside. Jesus won't break the door down. He's a gentleman. But he knocks. And he says, let me in. And the Bible says, if you will open the door, he said, I will come in. If in your heart you bow, he'll see you. Many years ago, I remember doing a mission. And a dear friend of mine, he became a friend of mine, got saved. And he followed the Lord for a number of years until he took ill and he passed away. But he was a businessman. And I remember well at the meetings, he came under conviction. And the folk that were in the mission were so shocked this businessman had come to these gospel meetings. And he rang me to say, would you come to the house? And I went to see him in his house. And when I got into his lovely living room, and beautiful room and beautiful home, this man sat me down and he said, Alan, I have done well in business and I have everything a man would want. But he said, there's things I have done in my life and I'm not proud of them, but I know God knows about them. And I'm not happy about meeting God. God was speaking. And I began to say to him how to be saved. And I started quoting verses from the Bible. And he jumped up and he ran into his kitchen. And he came out with a pen and a piece of paper. And he said, what was that verse now? And I knew the Lord speaking to this guy. This man is not interested in his business. He's not interested in money. He's not interested in succeeding. This man is totally taken with the fact that he's on the precipice of hell and he needs to be saved and he wants to be right with God and he wants to read God's word to see what God's promises tell him if he can find peace with God. And I left the verses with him and I said, I'm away home now. And I went home and I said to my wife, if that boy's not saved by the morning, I'll eat my hat. And the next morning, nine o'clock, he rang. And he says, Alan, I got saved this morning. I said, what happened to you? He says, I was thinking about that wee verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. And he said, I was sitting down to eat my breakfast. And I thought about the Lord outside the door. Me, 60 years of age, churchgoer, good businessman, honest in business. Jesus outside the door. And he says, I just began to cry. And I ran down to my bedroom. And I fell on my knees and I prayed from my heart for the first time in my life. And I said, Lord Jesus, I open the door. I open the door. Please come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will 
come in. What a transformed life that man had. What a transformed life. My dear friends, tonight, as we're closing now, it's over. Would you receive him? Would you come to him tonight? Is the Holy Spirit striving with you 